0: Hey, good to see you guys again. Again, welcome to Cross Creek. If you came in a little bit late, my name's John, I'm the lead pastor. And if you are watching online, thank you so much for checking out Cross Creek. Maybe you were serving downstairs with the kids, thank you so much for doing that. I firmly believe that, um, you know, if Jesus was here right now and he, he joined Cross Creek, because I mean, why wouldn't he join Cross Creek? But if he was here and contributing, he would be serving with the kids. I really think that's where Jesus would be. He loved, loves little kids and that's where he'd be. So thank you for being like Jesus and serving our kids if that's you. Uh, other times people check out churches online first because it's just a little bit safer and that's totally cool, but you missed some awesome music. So I definitely recommend coming here and experiencing Cross Creek um, live. Thank you, Aaron. I appreciate that. And you don't you don't get to meet Aaron if you're online, right? <coughs> <laughs> but uh, it's it's good to see you guys. Remember, uh, Connect Groups we can uh, we're accepting uh, a- it's not applications. You don't have to apply, but Connect Groups are open if you want to join. So you can just do that. So we are in uh, part two of a series, our January series, our New Year series, called Adulting 101, Better at Life. And uh, the reason we're doing that is it's hard being an adult. I'm figuring that out. As I get older, it doesn't get easier. It gets harder and more complicated. And, you know, if you're like kind of in that in that teenager area right now where you're like, well oh, I'm not an adult, I'm, I'm telling you, I wish somebody like me, maybe better, would have, would have taught me this stuff as I was getting ready to be an adult. So um, I definitely recommend listening for at least half of it tonight. <laughs> but honestly, if you think about it, being an adult is hard, and we don't, I mean, it sounds silly, but we don't want it to be that way, right? In fact, like, we, we just want to live our life. We don't have to work on life, right? The, you, most people are like how I am with cars, right? I just want my car to work, and I just want to drive it. I don't want anything to happen to it. I don't want anybody to hit it. And hopefully it's totaled. But we'll find out tomorrow. But in, the, in case you want an update on our car thing. But we just, we just want, that's how it is with life. We just want life to work. We just want it to be easy. Not to, you know, not to be difficult. We just want to have good things happen to us. Not to do anything for it. We almost expect that in a way, right? And In fact, we, we, we feel like we deserve I mean, if you, if you, you don't put it in these words, but you feel like, you know, life is supposed to be easy and fun and good. <clears throat> and when it's not, we get mad. Like, oh, I can't believe, I can't believe the car broke down. Oh, I, I can't believe my kids are acting up. I mean, they're four years old. I can't believe that they're not, you know, more mature by now and blah, 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 blah right? We get mad that life is life. We, we, we get upset, and, but we know that's not how the adult life works, right? Being an adult, adulting is hard. It takes work. In fact, if you, we talked about this last week, if you want a better life, if we want a better life, we need to be better at life. And so that's why we're doing this series, so we can be better at life, so we can experience a better life. Jesus said, I came that, Jesus actually said, I came that they, us, May have life and have it to the full. He wants us to have a full life. And so we're, we're talking about how, some tools that we can use to, to be better at life, because we firmly believe here, and we stole it from another church. I'll tell you someday what church it is, as we get, you know a little bit more settled. <laughs> but here, here's what we firmly believe: Following Jesus makes your life better and makes you better at life. It doesn't make life easier, but it makes it better. Actually following him, follow, even if you don't believe he was God, you don't believe he is the Savior, but following his teachings will actually make you better at life. And so uh, last week, and if you, if you missed last week, you can watch on yourcrosscreek.com. We have all the messages up there under uh, Discover. and It says watch a message. But we, we saw last week that... Um, There are many, many distractions in life that um, the the Apostle Paul said entangle us in life. We want to have a good life, we want to be better at life, but there's these distractions that just entangle us and and, um, get us us off track with the life we actually want to have. And one of those entanglements that we talked about, one of those main entanglements that we kind of all deal with is relationships, particularly poor relationships, Right? See, relationships, again, I'm not telling you anything you don't know, but relationships are one of the hardest things in life. They're also one of the most necessary things in life, which is probably what makes them so hard, right? In fact, relationships affect every aspect of our lives. Relationships affect every aspect of our life. Unless you are living on an island alone, relationships affect everything. In, in fact, even if you were on an island alone, you'd be feeling loneliness and the absence of relationships would be affecting you. We were made to be in relationships. When you think of healthy relationships, right? A good, healthy relationship, a friendship, a marriage, a, 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 a sibling that you actually get along with just makes life better, doesn't it? I mean, where would, where would any of us be Without the the support of family, the support of friends, of teachers, of coaches, of mentors. None of us would be who we are without these good people, these good relationships in our lives. Because they motivate you, they inspire you to be more than you already are. Because they see you for who you will be, right? Right? That's how God sees us too. He sees us for who we will be, who He's making us into, and that's what good relationships do. They they help. Us, they inspire us to be who they actually think we are, and then in hard times, good relationships comfort us. They help us. But of course, on the flip side, are unhealthy relationships, which basically just makes life suck, right? It's like the worst. When you are experiencing just a horrible relationship conflict, there's like nothing else you can think of. It, you, every, every commercial reminds you of it, right? Every song, you're like, oh my gosh, that, I, I thought I was done with that for five minutes, right? And think about it. Most of your, your, not mine, but most of your regrets in life have to do with some kind of relationship that either you or probably they broke, right? Or damaged. Most of our regrets have to do with relationships. And a bad relationship is just draining. Makes you almost not want to get out of bed in the morning. Consumes your thoughts. Frustrates you. <clears throat> and here's, here's the even more fun part. I'm, I'm painting you a great picture, aren't I? You're just like, man, I'm so glad I came. Even good, healthy relationships can turn into like an all-consuming anger or annoyance in a matter of a few seconds. I mean, you think, of, think of somebody you love the most, right? If you're married, it's probably your spouse. If you're, if you're a kid, it's, if you're, it's your mom, right? Or your dad. But think of that person you love the most, and they're the ones that can trigger you the fastest, right? They're the ones that can just, like, oh, I love them, but man, I cannot stand them right now. I've never been angrier in my life, Right? I mean, that's what my friends tell me. It's like, I've never experienced that myself. So why are relationships so hard? I mean, for me, I know relationships are hard because, you know, people won't do or think or say what I want them to. Like, I would get along with everyone if they just thought the way I thought, did what I told them to do or expected them to do, and, you know, just said what I wanted them to say. I'd I'd have the best relationships. But think about it. Isn't that kind of the core for all of us? If people would just do what we wanted them to do and think the way we wanted them to think, we'd have great relationships. In fact, Jesus' brother, James, Jesus' half-brother, James, talked about it. And when his letter that he wrote says, what causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? You desire, you want stuff, but you don't have. So you kill. You're like, I've never murdered anybody. Have you killed a relationship because you wanted more? You wanted something different? You covet, but you cannot get what you want. So you quarrel and fight. Smart guy. The primary problem in all of our our relationships is us. The primary problem in all of our relationships is that we're in them. Is that we are the, you know, the main factor in them. I mean, who's been at the center of every disagreement, every fight, every broken relationship you've ever had? You. You were there. You are always there. You are the common denominator in all of your bad relationships. Jesus still loves you. I'm trying to make you guys feel better. (laughs) I know, I'm just... I have the microphone, so I get to do that. So here's the thing. To start having better relationships, just like with life, we need to be better at relationships. You need to be better at relationships. So what can we do to change? To change us, the primary problem in all our relationships. Now, I want to warn you before we go further. Okay? Okay? you're probably not going to like the answer. I mean, you're like, I I know you've been tracking so far, like, yeah, beat me up, I love it, I'm terrible at relationships. The answer is just as bad, (laughs) just as hard. It's at the very least going to annoy you. And, you know, probably deep down, deep down inside, it's going to offend you. And you probably won't admit that it offends you, and that's why I'm doing it for you. Okay, and just putting that out there, whether you're a Jesus follower or whether you're not, this is going to probably be annoying and offensive. In fact, that's why we have on that welcome card I was talking about earlier, and you can do this online also, a little box on the back that says, so what about, where you can ask any question you have about what I'm talking about, about the Bible, about Jesus, the church, anything like that. This might be one of those nights where we get a lot of so what about cards. In fact, in a few weeks, we're going to do a whole series on the the main so what about questions that we all have about Jesus and Christianity, that type of stuff, but that's coming in a few weeks. So here's the thing. How can we be better at relationships? Jesus actually lays it out for us in one of his most famous, maybe frustrating, maybe annoying, it's okay to feel that way, let's admit how we feel, teachings. One of his most famous but frustrating teachings. now if you're not, good news, good news, if you're not a follower of Jesus, you're like, you know what, I'm just here to make somebody happy or I'm watching online because somebody bet me I wouldn't or whatever. You're off the hook tonight. Everything we talk about, you don't have to do. Jesus is talking to his followers in the part that we're going to read. You're totally off the hook. Now, like I said earlier, I believe following his teachings will make your life better and make you better at life. So you are totally invited to try it out. But you don't have to do anything. You are completely safe. Isn't that nice? Now, if you are a Jesus follower, it's another story, but we'll get to that. So, Jesus, in one of his famous teachings, in the book of Luke, Luke was an ancient historian, and I've actually been doing some, some more reading on um, the Gospels, is what we call the, the four... Um, accounts of Jesus' life, and Luke was a historian, real dude. He actually went and investigated everything about Jesus, and as the disciples and people who were with Jesus were getting older, he decided to kind of put it down into writing because the verbal communication was starting to go away because people were dying off. And so he, he investigated everything, interviewed everybody, and wrote it down. And so in Luke's account of Jesus, he has a lot of his teachings, and one of those teachings has to do with how we can be better at relationships. So let's read it together. This is Jesus talking to his followers. But to you who are listening, I say Now let's stop there and make sure you're listening. Are you listening? Are you listening online? The Facebook hasn't refreshed. You're fine. You know, you got maybe you've got two more likes, but that's okay. Okay? If you're listening, Jesus is saying this to you. Ready? <laughs> you're not going to like <laughs> You ruined the surprise. But to you who are listening, I say, love your enemies. Love, do good to those who hate you. Love your enemy. Oh, that's, I'm, you, you said I wasn't going to like, I don't have enemies. Like, I'm totally off the hook. That's awesome. I don't have enemies. You know that last fight you had with your spouse or your parents or your kid? In that moment, they were your enemy. You wanted to conquer them. You wanted to win. You wanted to be right. When Liz and my fight, she was right. <laughs> but in that moment, we're enemies, right? There's a combat going on. Not, not physically, but there's still this, this fight that's happening. They're your enemies. So when you get in that angry place, they are your adversary. I mean, who do you fight more with? Strangers? Hey, how you doing? How dare you? <laughs> or, you know, that that person who lives closest to you. Hey, how you doing? Why didn't you do the dishes? Good morning. It's good as, no. Look at all this laundry you left out. All right, in that moment, your, you have enemies. All right, you love them, but they're your enemy. So it says, verse 27, there you go. But to you who are listening, I say, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. Maybe you've heard this before. Maybe you've ignored this quite a bit. It says, Love your enemy. So I'm supposed to feel our warm and gushy when this person hates me and is trying to destroy me. Like, oh, you know, right on my Valentine's No! Jesus' love is not that mushy gushy blah, blah, blah. Jesus' love is not a feeling, it's a choice, it's an action. Really, the definition, when Jesus says love your enemy, it's really actively seeking the good of someone else. Actively seeking the good of someone else. That's the love that he's talking about. In fact, the key to better relationships, you can tune out after this if you want, the key to better relationships is counterintuitive love. The key to better relationships is counterintuitive love. If you're taking notes, I will take a break so you can write out counterintuitive. Make sure you get it right. Because this type of love, love your enemy, like act- actively seek the good of your enemy, doesn't make sense. That is not normal. That is not natural in us. It's counterintuitive. It's not at all what we would normally naturally do. It's just not. He says, love your enemy. Okay? I mean, we're we're in America. It's kind of a Christianized nation in a way. We've heard that. Do good to those who hate you. Like, go out of your way to make their life better when they are actively trying to make your life worse. That's what Jesus is telling his followers to do. When somebody is trying to make your life worse, you take time out of your day to try to make their life better. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. It's not just about sneezing. It's actually speaking good of someone who's speaking badly of you. When someone's talking about you, behind your back, spreading rumors, saying you shouldn't get that promotion, you you actually speak good of them, even when they're not around. It's annoying, right? You don't want to do that. I don't want to do this. And then he says, pray for those who mistreat you. For me, this is the hardest one. Like every time I read this, I'm like, no. <laughs> Prayer time is you and me, Jesus. Don't bring them into this. You know what they did. You know what they said. Why do I need to bring them? No. He says, pray for them. Not pray for them that they will change their mind and see things your way, which is the right way but actually pray for them that he makes their life better, that he shows them how much he loves them, that they actually feel that peace and comfort that he can bring, that he would give them fulfilling lives. So why don't we want to do these things? I mean, we all admit we don't want to do this, right? You're thinking of that person, right? You're not sitting next to them. You wouldn't think that, but Why would we not want to do these things? If you boil it all down, if you really drill down into it, it's fear. What? I told you you're not going to like this. It's fear. Because all of this is about self-preservation. We are afraid to look weak. We are afraid to be wrong. We are afraid to be humbled in front of those people that don't deserve to feel better than us. We're afraid of being vulnerable. That's why I hate apologizing to my wife. Because I don't want to be seen weak and like, oh, you were right. Like there's always a, you know, I'm sorry, but, you know, I'm not really wrong, but, you know, I just want to get life going again. See, fear keeps us from choosing love. Why don't we choose love? Why don't we just do everything Jesus says right away? Because fear keeps us from doing it. Fear keeps us from choosing the action of love. So Jesus is saying, face your fear and have the courage to choose love. And then he doesn't just stop it there with like, you know, this, um, you know, it's kind of like, the idea of it. He actually gets down to the nitty-gritty. It gets gets worse, better. He gives us some real-life examples of what choosing that kind of love would actually look like. Here we go, verse 29. If someone slaps you on one cheek, just picture that. You've heard this before, but picture it. If someone slaps, slaps, not even like a manly punch, but slaps you on one cheek, turn to them the other also. If someone takes your coat, do not withhold your shirt from them. Give to everyone who asks you, and if anyone, I mean, give to everyone who asks you. Not like, you know, everyone who's going to use it the right way. It says, give to everyone who asks you, and if anyone takes what belongs to you, do not demand it back. When I read this, here's what I say. Oh, he must be exaggerating to make his point. Because right? obviously he doesn't mean every, everyone. I mean, like they're going to go spend it on booze. So what am I going to do with it? But, <laughs> you know, oh, that's extreme, Jesus. I mean, you lived, you lived 2,000 years ago. Life, life is different now, right? You know, maybe he's not giving a rule for every single situation. Like, you know, if we, if, if there's, like, he's not talking about spousal abuse and, and child abuse and that type of stuff obviously, but this idea, this, this principle, this, this main teaching cannot be ignored. Jesus' love is self-sacrificial, vulnerable, and unfair. We all hear the, the baby crying, so all the moms that have babies in it just got up. That's awesome. I love that we have babies. Anyway, Jesus' love is self-sacrificial, vulnerable. And yes, it is unfair. All of our rights are abandoned when we choose to love like Jesus. If you choose to live this way, you will be taken advantage of. If you live this way, you, you don't get what you think you deserve. And that other person, they don't get what you think they deserve. They get what they don't deserve. And then Jesus summarizes it. Now, if you don't believe Jesus is God, that's cool. I do. I can give you a list of reasons. But you have to admit that this man was so insightful. He understood the human condition so well. Let's see what he says. Kind of sums it up. Verse 31. Do to others as you would have them do to you. You've told your kids this five times a day. Do to others what you would have them do to you. Listen, look at it closely. You've heard it. Do to, not feel about, not don't do to others, but actually take the initiative and do to others what you want them to do to you. Not as an example of like, hey, here's how I want to be loved, so I'm going to love you this way, so maybe you'll reciprocate. No. Comple- it's, I mean, it's completely different than anything else that had ever come before it. See, before it was always, you know, do, do to them what they do to you. Or, you know, don't do to them, don't do to others what you don't want them to do to you. That's how we get along, you know. Oh, you don't, well, you don't want them to take your toy, so you, you shouldn't take theirs, right? You don't, you don't want them to stab you in the back or talk bad about you, so maybe you shouldn't, you shouldn't do it either. no. See, even, this is so different than anything that came before, even Moses, you know, the great lawgiver of the Jewish people, even he wrote an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. But Jesus, just Jesus, the only teacher who said, basically, literally, love your neighbor as you love yourself. Completely revolutionary. Completely unthinkable at that time. I mean, when, when someone... This, let's take the, the spouse relationship is really the, just the easiest example. So if you're not married, I apologize. But take your closest, your closest relationship. When they speak with that tone that you've heard a few times, you know who I'm talking about. When they misspeak, you know they didn't mean to say it that way, but they did. So obviously that me- when When they overreact... You just say, hey, you know, could you do, how, I'm trying not to give you specific examples because I don't have any, I've never experienced this. When they do that, Jesus is saying, stop for a second and think. When you use a tone you didn't mean to use, when you say the words you didn't mean to say, but they came out the wrong way, when you overreact, do you give yourself the benefit of a doubt? I didn't, I didn't mean to say it that way. I mean, that's not, that's not how I, I meant to be. You give yourself the benefit of the doubt, don't you? Jesus is saying, do the same for others. You love yourself unconditionally. You give yourself that, that out. You always say, yeah, but for yourself. That's how you want to be treated, right? When you misspeak, you want somebody to be like, oh, yeah, you didn't mean that. We're We're cool. That's how we need to treat others. We need to love our neighbor as we love ourselves. Do to others what we want them to do to us. You might be thinking, hey, chill out, man. You're only five six. Who do you think you are? I mean, yeah, you have this little microphone, but there's not much between us. I'm kind. You don't, you don't know me. Look, when people respect me, and they treat me well, I'm good with them. Like, I treat them so well. When they are in that inner circle of mine, and they've earned my trust, they haven't ever betrayed me, I'm good. I'm like the best friend you can have. That's cool. Jesus goes on. Verse 32. If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners love those who love them. When he says sinners, think of the people you don't like. Those people. Even sinners love those who love them. If you do good to those who are good to you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners do that. And if you lend to those from whom you expect repayment, Credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners expecting to be repaid in full. You treat people well who you feel deserve it or have earned it. Jesus says, Dilly Dilly to you. (laughs) Good job. Here's your cookie. That's what everyone does. See, most people are good to those who are good to them, that's nothing special. That's easy. It's how you treat people and respond when they don't deserve it that makes the difference between healthy and unhealthy relationships. And Jesus kind of sums it all up in a nutshell. Again, verse 35. But love your enemies. Do good to them. Lend to them without expecting anything back. And what he's getting at is if you want a better, lo- a better life, Love better. If you want a better life, love better. So, John, you're saying this love thing and, you know, they're your enemy and, you know, just kind of let it go. So, everyone just pretends to be nice and we just all get walked all over. That definitely sounds like a better life. Thanks for that. So glad I got the kids out of out of nap time or whatever the fun stuff you were doing in this nice weather and came here. A better? Are you kidding me? This sounds terrible, doesn't it? I mean, doesn't it? <laughs> Sometimes I get excited. So how does this actually this teaching? How does this actually make my life better? Well, let's let's just let Jesus keep talking. It's usually a good way to go. Then, so love your enemy, do good to those who hurt you. Then your your reward will be great, and you will be children of the Most High because He is kind to the ungrateful and wicked. Be merciful, just as your Father is merciful. Check out. I mean, at first that's offensive. He is God is kind to the ungrateful and wicked. That's you. That's me too. That's all of us. The good God's given us. We've been ungrateful for that. We've complained when we've had rich people problems like cars breaking down or you know oh a pipe burst in this huge house I have my life is over now. Right? Ungrateful. And if you if, if you're wicked you are you've hurt people on purpose. I don't know another definition of wicked than that. It's happened. We've all done it. But here's the thing, Jesus is the opposite of karma. He does not give us the bad things we deserve. He makes see he makes that rule of an eye for an eye, he makes that obsolete. He is merciful. He doesn't give us the bad we deserve. He is full of grace. He gives, us, he gives us good things that we don't deserve. See, like I said, we, we are all wicked. We've all hurt people on purpose to make ourselves either feel better or look better or to get ahead in some way. That person is a person God created. That is a, like a, a child of God. When someone hurts your kid, you don't just let it go, right? And so the Bible calls that sin when you hurt other people on purpose. That's sin, And God actually loves us. He wants to be with us forever. He wants to have a perfect relationship with us. But we've heard his kid. He's the king of the universe. He's a just king. He must bring justice. There is evil that's been done and it must be punished, but he doesn't want to punish us because he loves us. It would destroy us. So what did he do? He became a human, Jesus, 100% God, 100% man, who came to earth, lived the perfect life, never hurt anybody on purpose, never sinned, and then died a death that we deserve to pay that penalty for us, to satisfy God's justice that was against us. So that now we can be forgiven. We can be free because the punishment, the, the evil's been paid for. And do we, how do we accept that freedom, that, that forgiveness by going to church a lot, by obeying all his rules? No, because you're never going to do that. Simply by accepting his gift that he said, I paid for it, I died for it. It's free. It's a free gift. You can't earn it. We don't deserve it. But I did it for you anyway because I love you and I want to be with you and I want to forgive you and I want to make this relationship perfect. All you have to do is accept it just like a gift. He is merciful, He is full of grace. So, how does that make our life better? I mean, aside from the freedom and the peace and the relationship. See, when you trust that Jesus loves you unconditionally, when you become a Jesus follower, when you become a child of God, you experience something incredible. You experience something unique. You are free to simply choose to love, you're free to be vulnerable and to love sacrificially. Why? Because you know Jesus is taking care of your needs. You don't have to fight for yourself anymore. The God of the universe loves you unconditionally. The God of the universe has your back. He's taking care of you. See, it's okay that life isn't fair, because you know Jesus will reward you, and you can leave true justice up to him. He knows the in and out of everything relationship. So what's there to worry about? Why would you hold on to anger and hurt? Why do we need to be so quick to take offense? We know we're we're forgiven. We're loved. In fact, as as my dad likes, likes to say, you know, offense is something you have to take. If you're offended by something, you choose to be offended by it. You have to say, oh, that offends me. See, love prevents you from being or playing the victim because it's not about you. It's not about you defending yourself. You're perfectly loved. You're taken care of. You're now free to give love out. When you accept Jesus' forgiveness and you you accept that restored relationship, Jesus actually says the Holy Spirit fills you and enables you and empowers you to live like you are actually a child of God. The Apostle Paul talked about it in Galatians. But the fruit of the Spirit, the result of having Jesus come in your life and transform you, the result, the fruit, is love, joy, peace, patience, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. You want to have better relationships, that is a better relationship. See, God's love frees us and empowers us to love. God's love frees us. We don't have to worry about ourselves anymore. And empowers us, actually gives us the ability to love because it's not your love. You don't have to muster it up really hard. That's exhausting. It's actually God's love in you shining through you for them. He is showing them how much he loves them Through you. So yeah, maybe you don't want to lower yourself to love them. It's not you doing it. It's not your love. It's God loving them through you. Basically, you're just the glove the hand is using to get the job done. God is using you to show his love. So that's nice. You know, you raised your voice, so now I feel something that's great how do we do this? How do we actually do it? I mean, this makes no sense if we, we all agree and then leave and then don't do it, right? How do we do it today? Like you get in the car and, well, there's that tone again. Or tomorrow. Or on Thursday when it's almost the end of the week and they just won't stop. How do we actually love like this? It's simple, but it's not easy. in our, your, my relationships, ask this simple question, this dangerous question. What does love look like? When they snap at me, what does love look like? Is it snapping back? Is it holding that grudge for the rest of the day? Or is it giving them the benefit of a doubt? What does love look like? And you won't want to do it. You won't. So then have the courage to ask God to love them like that through you. Ask God, you don't have to do, ask God to love them like that through you. To give you the ability to do the action and, and the secret is you do the action and the feelings follow. It's kind of nice. You actually end up wanting to do that. And then Celebrate. Celebrate progress, not perfection. Celebrate progress, not perfection, for both you and for others. Because you're not going to be perfect in this. You're not going to get it right every time, and neither are they. But you will be transforming. You'll give them space to transform. Acknowledge when you act kindly when you normally would have bitten back. Acknowledge when you keep your mouth shut when you would have joined in on that gossip. Celebrate that progress. Acknowledge when when they give you the benefit of a doubt, when you know you would not have done that. Celebrate the progress. And then forgive others and ask them to forgive you. Because you're not going to be perfect. So if you're expecting perfection in yourself or others, it's not going to happen. You'll be let down every time. So ask for forgiveness and give forgiveness. Now, you don't have to be a Jesus follower to do this, like I said earlier. You don't have to. You can try it. But what if, what if you believed? just give me a what if, what if you believed God loved you so much that he actually became a human and died for you? And he loves that person next to you the exact same way and did the exact same thing for them. Would that improve your relationships in any way? Would that change how you see the people around you? Would you be willing to try that for a week? No? Okay. Progress, not perfection. How about a day? Would you be willing to try that just for a day and then you can stop? But what if it's true? What if he does love you enough that he came and died for you and died for that person next to you? How would you treat them? Just imagine that, and then do it, and see what happens. Think about it. What would your marriage look like if you were both asking, what does love look like? Don't do that. What would your marriage look like if you both asked every day, what does love look like in this situation? How great would your friendships be if you all had the goal of allowing God to show his love to them through you? What would school be like if just half the kids in your class were doing that? Trying to let God love others through you. What if all of your neighbors, all the people around you, gave each other the same benefit of a doubt that they wanted for themselves? I can't believe they left the trash can out again. Well, maybe they're busy. You want that benefit of doubt? Let's give it to others. What would that be like? Here's the thing. That would be great. That's the answer. But someone has to go first. Why not you? Why not you? Because here's the thing. You are never more like Jesus than when you love someone who doesn't deserve it. You are never more like Jesus than when you love someone who doesn't deserve it because that's what he did for you. That's what he did for me. That's what he did for all of us. Let's pray and thank him. Heavenly Father, thank you for loving us. Thank you for chasing us when we didn't deserve your love. Thank you for your forgiveness. Thank you for wanting to enable us to love better, to have better relationships, to be better at relationships. I pray that you give us the courage to actually ask what does love look like then have the courage to ask you to love people like that through us. And then show us things we can celebrate. Give us celebrations. Let our life just be full of joy of seeing progress in ourselves and in others. Thank you for making that possible. In Jesus' name, amen. Next week's even better, guys. You know why? I shouldn't tell you because you won't come. We're talking about money. Oh, interesting, maybe you should show up. But I'm not going to be asking you for money. It's more like how we can be better with our money and what, what does Jesus talk about with that? So you'll be pretty safe. We don't even take an offering here. So next week, how to be better at money. We'd love to see you. I hope you have a great week. Remember, what does love look like? And then try it. See you later.